introduction to the course. Okay. This is the vision. Okay. Classes. Okay. This is the vision that the authors or that who put the material together. This is this is quotes directly from them in the beginning of the book. If you buy the book, you'll see this. Students can often feel, and I would add adults, that the, as if the gospel has little relevance in day-to-day living. That was the Galatians error. And Paul uh, wrote the, the book primarily to debunk that. We long to help students see that the risen and ascended Lord makes all the difference in every area of our lives. Then they get more specific. <clears throat> this study seeks to unpack and apply the rich truths of the believer's union with Christ to the particulars of human sexuality. In other words, believers have died with Christ and now live with him, and by his Spirit, Christ provides both the motivation and the power for believers to use their sexuality for his glory. Nothing, not even our sexuality, is outside his transforming work and power. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and called them he said, he said, do you not know that drunkards and swindlers and revilers and adulterers and homosexuals, etc., will not inherit the kingdom of God? Then what does he say? And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were clean, you were sanctified, which means set apart as holy. So the gospel deals with everything sexual. Okay? Colossians 3, 1 through 4. I want you to see this. This is like their heartbeat. It reads this. Why don't you read it with me to break some of the silence? Go ahead. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I want to point out two main things. As a believer, including the area of sexuality, you must seek the things, or the truth, that is above. Where Christ is. Basically, His truth. There's a command. We understand what commands are? Yeah? Yes? Yes. yes. Seated at the right hand of God, meaning He has authority. Not only to seek them, when you find them, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Meaning that, now again, this is, this is a particular or specific application of this text. As you're seeking God's sexual truth, which is above, which is down in His Word as you read it, you are setting your minds on that, not on the lies you find here on earth. So there's commands there, two commands. But I want to draw your attention to why you're doing that. Look at this. What does it say? If then you what? Been raised with Christ. And then he gives other explanation. For you what? Have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also what? Will appear with him in glory. These are promises. These are realities. These are truths. Some of them past, some of them to come. But the basis for you being able to seek the truth above in regards to sexuality and let that govern your thinking is the fact that you've already been raised with Christ. Is the fact that you have died and your life is in Him and that He's coming again. 
and he will glorify you and he will make you completely what you were meant to be sexually. Yes? You understand that? <clears throat> now, key biblical truths as we go forward that you need to grasp. If you don't grasp these things, this won't make sense. Okay? You've got to understand these. You have, first, we have to understand the human heart. There's several of these that they have. We're, we'll go through them quickly. The human heart. Who has a human heart? Anyone have like a transplant from a dog? Okay, no. So you all have human hearts, right? <clears throat> Anyone have a transplant? That's all I ask. Ah, if you're saved, you all have a transplant. All right. Sorry. That just came to me. All right. The heart is the source of both the problem and the solution. In the sense of, or the, the um, what's what I'm looking for? The essence, rather, not the source. The essence of the problem and the solution is a better way to put it. If you are struggling sexually, which I think every person has sexual problems, whether they're heterosexual, homosexual, transgenders, and etc. It starts with your heart lying to you. And in order for you to find victory, peace, etc. in this area, your heart needs to be changed. Not just your actions. Does that make sense? The human heart is the source of the problem, and it's the essence. The solution must take place there. God is most concerned about your heart. Deuteronomy 6.5 says you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. <clears throat> Romans 10.10. Confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Okay? <clears throat> the heart has been penetrated and polluted by sin. If you took doctrine of man and sin, you know this, hopefully. Okay? So the heart has been touched, and the heart needs to be healed. Yes? Would it make sense if Nate, while running cross country, broke his leg, and he went to, let's say, he was in college, and Megan, his sister, was a, a PA, and she put a cast on his arm? That wouldn't make any sense, right? So if the heart is the problem, the heart needs to be what? Fixed. Okay? Not the knee or the actions. At least not as the source. The heart is not neutral. I want you to understand this. Okay? I'm pretty sure Genesis 8.21, I didn't look it up, but I believe it's the hearts of men were so wicked that God went on the earth. Okay? Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful, desperately sick. Who can know it? And then the next verse says God, but not we, not us. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. <clears throat> Following the course of this world, prince of the power of the air, etc., right? Lust of your flesh, desire, all that. Not good. Heart's wicked. Not neutral. No, mankind is not good. We have value and integrity um, as people. We're valuable. Okay? We have intrinsic worth. But we are not morally good. We are morally wicked, depraved, etc., the heart must be regenerated. Okay? The gospel must be believed. If you do not have a new heart, if you do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will never find genuine, true, complete healing in this area or understanding. You must have a new heart. <clears throat> Without the gospel, peace, security, confidence, and love in this area is impossible. You might find uh, temporary or superficial, but you need to be a believer to truly find full healing in this area. <coughs> Now, once you're a believer, believers' hearts are changed. 
Ezekiel 36, 26 literally says, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The heart you were supposed to have. Believers' hearts are holy. Okay? They're set apart. They're not like the world. Believers' hearts are in a battle. Romans 7, 21-25, Paul says, I don't know why I do these things. He's like, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who delivered me from this body of death? Praise be to God for the victory that's in Christ Jesus, right? As a believer now, you're not dead to sin. You're alive to Christ, and you still have sin remain, so you battle and fight and struggle. I was dealing with a sexual sin after I became a believer, and it was kept just... Falling, 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 falling. I made a phone call to my mentor. And I was like, Mac! I was like, I don't even know if I'm saved, man. I keep doing this. And he's like, are you fighting? I'm like, yes, I'm fighting. That's why I'm calling you. And he goes, good. It means you're alive. Dead people in sin don't fight sin. Okay? There's a battle. And you fight. You wage war. Paul talks about boxing himself. Okay? The new creation now, okay? New believers become, believers become the new creation. Believers are a new creation. We're made new, okay? Even if you don't feel like it, that's the reality if you're in Christ. Believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have Him living within us. We're not in this alone. We're not fighting for our sexuality alone. God is within us. It's His promise to you, whether you feel it or not, if you're in Christ. Believers are alive in Christ. Yes, Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 3 says that we're dead in sin. But what does verse 4 say? But God, because of the great love with which He loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Believers await the new creation. So though we're made new, we're still awaiting when we are completely new. We see this in Revelation 21 through 22. But specifically in Romans 8, Paul says all creation groans, awaiting the day when all things are made right. And they will be. They will be. So it's a promise. So we have the new creation to look forward to and what we already a part of. We also have union with Christ. You must grasp this, that in this battle, you are, you, you are united to Jesus Christ. Because apart from Him, you don't win. Okay? We have been united with Him in His death. We have been united with Him in His resurrection. We have been united with him in his life. I was going to take us through this, but we don't have time. So what I'm going to do is just kind of show you this. okay? And all through this study, and really all through your walk with the Lord, I encourage you to read this passage over and over and over again. Paul just continues to say, you have died, you have been made alive, and then he says, live like it. And it's over and over again he's making this argument that you've died to sin, you've been set free from sin, you're alive to Christ, therefore live like it. Look at what he says in verse 11. This is important. So you also must, what does that word say? Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? Even though it's true, you have to actively believe that it's true. You have to actively tell yourself that it's true. Is the gospel true whether or not you believe it? Yes. But believers are to preach the gospel to themselves every day. Why? Because we're forgetful people. Okay? <clears throat> the cross has altered your identity. You're not who you were. You're changed. But it has restored your identity because we were created to have sexual wholeness. 
that was broken by the fall. And now we're to be restored back to that. The cross now is your identity. You will have to stand in the shadow of the cross when the evil one throws your sexual sin and your brokenness in your face. Because guess what? Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53, the man of sorrows, bore that sexual brokenness upon himself and hung there for you. These are realities you must grasp as we go forward. You must understand not only union with Christ, but the flesh and the spirit. That's this battle, right? I have open handcuffs because it's like the handcuffs are off. We can come out of them. We're not a slave to them anymore, but yet sometimes we put them on our own wrists. That's our flesh. You are a new creation, but the old man remains. Hey, Paul talks about it. He's like, I fight myself, Paul says. Non-believers only have the old man. We have both. There is now a war. Paul says in Galatians 5.17, he wages war in his flesh. Back and forth. You have to fight in this battle. Okay? Your flesh fights you, but it does not define you. Okay? It's not who you are. I don't like... I do not believe that somebody is a homosexual. I do not believe that somebody is a transgender person. I believe people struggle with gender dysphoria. I believe that people struggle with same-sex attraction. Your sin does not define you as somebody who struggles with those areas any more than a heterosexual male's lust defines him if he fights it, if he is a believer. You wouldn't call him a luster, right? It is a sin that he battles, but it does not define him if he's in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. But I'm not at all dumbing down the legitimacy of struggling with same-sex attraction, struggling with gender dysphoria, which is being confused on if you're a man or a woman, etc. But it does not define you. And the Spirit, ultimately, we see this promise, I believe, I believe it's this text, where Paul writes <clears throat> that God will finish the work he started. It's guaranteed. What he began in you, he will bring to completion. Period. If you're a believer, he, the Spirit's going to win. Ultimately. But you have, to, you have to battle in this life. Okay? Key concepts to understand. We're going to go through this a little faster. So those are biblical truths. These are some key concepts as we're studying this. Again, the tree metaphor. This is important. Okay? <clears throat> I think instead of talking about this, I'm going to draw it. <clears throat> if I can stop choking. Alright. I know you've missed my artwork all summer. Black tree trunk. That nice? Yeah? Okay. Alright, I see it. Yeah? Yeah? Nope. Okay. Girl crazy. See now? Yeah. They're getting black fruit. Actually, it's sin anyway. Not that black is sin, but darkness, I guess. Okay, now. Okay, now. Tree metaphor. Again, if we deal with, let's just say, um, lesbian feelings are the fruit. And then lesbian action. If we just... 
Oh, thank you. You're the best. We just try to pick off certain lesbian actions, tendencies. Did we deal with the problem? No. Did we deal with the problem? No. No, right? Because what's still there? The stinking tree, right? It's still there. Now let's say I come in with a hedge trimmer and I get rid of the branches up top and get rid of that. Did we deal with the problem? No. No. Let's say, it's a super tree by the way. We come in and we chainsaw this thing. Did we really still deal with the problem? No. What needs to be dealt with, my friends? The roots. This is very important. And here's, I just spent a little over a week in Colorado, and my wife's grandfather has a cabin with two acres of land that has aspens and um, pine trees. Aspens are some of the lightest, easiest trees to cut up, cut down. I cut down like 18 trees. I was having a field day. It was great. I was like, it was awesome. Okay, I was having a great time. Now there was this one aspen that was like mostly dead. Um, actually, I went hiking. I like pulled some trees over, but now um, <laughs> this one aspen we cut down. Very easy to cut down, and the stinking roots. Because my mother-in-law wanted the, the the stump out. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, and I were out there. I was like, you ever like hold an axe along or something? You can't even, like open your fingers. Yeah, that's what it was like. I was like, oh, and I finally got it, and I took like that much of that off. But here's the point. The roots were deep, and they were strong, and there were so many of them. It's like we'd kill like five and then try to pull. It still won't move. Oh, there's 17 more. The roots are deep, and the roots, it's easy to cut the tree off right here. Very easy. I can very easily, in a minute and a half, take most trees and cut it down to there. You know what real work in people's lives is? What real ministry is? It's taking the years to get rid of this. The long-suffering, the love, and sexual healing. If you've been scarred, if you're struggling, heterosexually, homosexually, gender dysphoria, there's roots there. It's going to take time. We've got to deal with it at that level. So I, I asked you this question. Are you, are you willing to let God's word penetrate the roots of your heart in this area and in all areas? Because if not, it's only dealing with in a superficial way. Oh, I forgot that I had lots of fruit I made up here. I actually spent time on my computer doing that. Um, people's behavior flows directly from their worldviews, how you view the world and, your, and yourself. What people believe about God themselves and others produces the actions and behaviors. You have to deal with this. Okay. <clears throat> the la- one of the last concepts they have is this, or I think it is the last one, the triad of the Christian life. The book defines it as three aspects that you must embrace throughout this study. That's faith, and that's love, and one that is not popular, especially in our nation, is repentance. Okay, repentance. Faith, believe in Christ to save and restore. Through this battle, your heart, as you are chopping these roots up by His grace and His word and trying to get rid of them, they will scream at you, No, we're not going anywhere. This is who, we, who you are. And you have to, by faith, believe that Christ will purge these roots. Okay? Love. You have to adore, love God, and love others through this. As people are trying to help you. 
as you're trying to help others, as you are going through this loving God, love is so important. But true love, love that tells the truth. Okay? And repentance, this is big. This is turning from what is evil, from what is sin, what God's word says is sin. If you've never read this book, I highly recommend it. It is called, actually, I think I only know the subtitle. It's called um, Confessions of an Unlikely Convert. The, the, the author is Rosaria Butterfield. And if you have never read this book, read this book. It's not This woman, Rosaria Butterfield, was in her late 30s, I think 39. <clears throat> she was, at this point in her life, she was a tenured professor at Syracuse University. Heard of Syracuse University? Okay. One of the most liberal cam- um, campuses on, in the nation. She was professor of queer theory, okay, which is like queers, like gay, okay? Queer theory. She taught liberal politics, okay? And she was a spokesman at gay pride events and things of that nature. She was married, not biblically, but legally considered married to a woman. And they were advocates of that cause. And she was writing a new book. And the book was going to have to do with the left and the right wing views of this, and basically how the right wing is a bunch of bigots and they're wrong. So she wrote an article about this topic and put it in the newspaper. Hit the newspapers, and what usually happens, you probably don't know about paper mail anymore, right? But there's this thing called hate mail, and this thing called what? The other side. Fan mail. So she writes this article, and guess what? People on both sides send her email and fan mail. So it's Rosaria had a desk. Is it professor? She would. And she put a pile of hate mail and a pile of fan mail. Guess what happens? She gets a letter and she sits there. It's from a Presbyterian pastor. An Orthodox one. Who was saying, your view is wrong. I think you're misrepresenting what we believe, but he wrote with such tenderness and love, inviting her to his home for his wife's cooking to talk. And she's like, what? So she said that the letter almost like spoke to her. Like every day she walked by it and it was like, it was a letter. So one day she, she called him and goes to his house. And it began a two year relationship. In the end, she becomes a believer. Now she's married to a pastor. She's a Presbyterian. And she writes and speaks, etc. She's wonderful. Love her. She's a phenomenal writer. I mean, she's also her. She's an English professor who did career theory. Now, here's what I, here's the point I want to make. At a crucial point in the book, I'm going to spoiler alert, but Rosaria came to a point where she was like believing Christianity. She could, God was opening her eyes. The blinders were coming down. And, and she's like, and I know what the Bible says about my sexuality, and I need to, this is sin, but... So anyway, her friend from the LGBTQ community, who was claiming to be a woman and living as a woman who was really a man, he used to be a Presbyterian pastor, and now was living as a woman. He brings Rosaria this box. <coughs> Rosaria, here's a bunch of books from when I struggled with this. I asked God to take my uh, sexual feelings away and he never did but maybe he'll do it for you here you go and she thought about that and you want to know what the Holy Spirit told Rosaria this is what I want you to catch Jesus Christ was not calling Rosaria 
to change her sexual feelings and desires. Jesus Christ was calling Rosaria to repent of her sins and trust Him in faith. Here's the point. She didn't need to wait until God changed her feelings. It often doesn't work that way. She needed to turn from what she believed was true, and that was a lie, and believe the truth about what God had said, regardless of how she felt. And over time, God helped her feelings shift. So, as we are going forward, you need to repent of what you know is lies from the evil one, whether or not you believe it, or whether or not you feel it at that point. Does that make sense? Faith, love, and repentance. And this is what the author ends with. I think it's a great encouragement to send us off. And it's this. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, including in your sexuality, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, your, your youth leaders have these. I want you to go to your small groups, but I want you to pray in these areas. But first I want to pause. Are there any questions on any of those? You can ask that. Yeah? What was the book called again? Which one? Rosaria's? Yeah. It's, uh, I, if you look up Confessions of an Unlikely Convert, it'll come up. Any other questions, Cover? Cool. All right. I want you to pray these things. Your youth leaders have these. For eyes to see and ears to hear, that God would open our eyes and open our ears to see and hear his truth. For clarity of mind, that we think clearly about this. For patience. For some of us, this will take, some of us will get this right away. Some of us, it's going to take week 10 and beyond. For pain to be healed. I'm not foolish. I know that probably most of you have some sort of pain in this area. For sin to be confessed. For God's design to be embraced. Because it's a design that is for your good and for his glory. And for Satan's distortion to be rejected. And for one another. Pray for one another. And for the evil one's defeat in this area. And ultimately for the glory of God. Because that's what this is all about. Alright? So, with those things being said, go ahead and break your small...